Well, hello there. My name is HW. Thank you so much for listening to a very special episode uh, 61 of the Tone Junkie Podcast. Why is it special? Well, I'm not sure I'm even going to talk about guitar today. <clears throat> uh, I'm in the downtown office, and uh, first of all, let me just say, Starbucks, uh, the line situation uh, has devolved again. Mobile orders are, are, are overtaking the place. It's... um. It's something that needs to be addressed. I was in there, and eight drinks came out. I'm drinking it right now. Eight drinks came out ahead of me. I was one of the only people in there. But they told me not to get my usual. They told me, get the pumpkin cream cold brew. My friend Trula said, get the pumpkin cream cold brew. And boy, am I glad I did. Because if you're not getting the pumpkin cream cold brew right now at Starbucks, you're... You're just incorrect. Um, so that's my Starbucks endorsement for the day. Um, let's do a little housekeeping. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by uh, the good, the Tone Junkie Loaded Kemper at British Audio. And for a limited time only, get a Tone Junkie Loaded Stage for the normal price of $1,700 and get a Tone Junkie Everything Pack included for free. Okay, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like an avid Kemper player, and I don't know why uh, why I sponsor the podcast by that product, but you probably own one. You probably own some packs. So thank you for the support. Uh, let's just get right into it. Um, maybe I'll relate this to guitar. Maybe I won't. But I've been watching my son a lot lately, and I've been gleaning what I think are some pretty profound sort of... Uh, uh, insights to problems in humanity, in culture, in our social structures. Uh, ones that everyone's aware of, but I'm, I'm sort of watching this child come of age. He's six right now. And sometimes he says things and I go, my gosh, that is one of the smartest things I've heard in a week, in a month, in a long time. Let me give an example, because I think there's you know, we talk a lot about constructs, social constructs, gender's a construct, this is a construct, that's a... There are constructs, for sure, out there. There are constructs. But is there a... Is there a... A greater construct than our idea of self? You know, like... Isn't it all just made up? the way you and I think we can do something, we cannot do something, the way we think we're capable of something or not capable, the way we say, uh, well, I, I, I'm this type of person or I'm that type of person. Of course, there could be biological differences in our personalities and whatnot, but are morning people really just morning people? Or maybe they just wake up in the morning all the time. And maybe once you do that 10 times, it's not as hard on the 11th and 12th. And then maybe if you do it all the time, you're not someone who, oh, I'm not a morning person. You're just someone who wakes up in the morning. And then someone else might call you a morning person. And that's that's sort of just, we, we exist in these boundaries of, I'm good at this, I'm not good at this, I, I, I can do this, I, I can't do this, I'm capable of this, I'm not capable of this. So the other day, my son, two things came up recently. So the other day, my son, he, he's been into Pokemon cards. So he goes to first grade. And you know, at this Montessori school he goes to, the grades are mixed up. So it's, uh, it's 
preschool, pre-K, and kindergarten all in one room. And the kindergartners break off and do their own lessons in the afternoons because they have they're learning to read and stuff. But then all the kids do geography together. So you get these three year olds that know a bunch about geography, know a bunch about the states and everything. Now my son got into the first grade. So now he's in a room with first, second, and third graders. So he's six, but he's so he's but he's pretty much one of the youngest kids in there. So it's six, seven. I guess the oldest kids in there could be nine. There's a couple kids that are still like, you know, about to be six. They're they're five or so. But they're first, second, third grade. So what's he do? He's big man on campus. He was a big man on campus in the kindergarten room, right? All the all the three and four year olds are like, whoa, that kid, that tall fifth grader, he's like a grown up. Gets into this new class. All of a sudden there's third graders. So now the third graders are running the yard, you know? They're calling the shots. So what they say is cool is what's going to be cool. So we went from, oh my gosh, Mario is the coolest thing ever. All the older kids like Mario to all the older kids like Pokemon cards. So, you know, these kids are playing with Pokemon cards. So he comes home on day one and he says to me, dad, I, we got to get Pokemon cards. They're so cool. You know, so-and-so has them. So we go out, we get some Pokemon cards uh, we bought a pack. Then I found out you can't really play with one pack. So we bought like a deluxe pack so that he would have enough cards to play with. Um, and so we play at home, kind of these easy rules. I started playing with him to teach him the game. Exactly one day after we get our cards, he comes home. Uh, we're not allowed to have Pokemon cards at school anymore. I go, what happened? He goes, too many of the kids were talking about Pokemon cards not doing their work. So the, the teacher said, you can't bring your Pokemon cards to work to school anymore. Don't bring them to school. You can talk about them and you can play with them at home and after school, but don't even bring them to school. Can't take them out at recess. Can't take it out at lunch. Can't take it out. Doesn't want to distract the kids. So I go, oh, that's a bummer. Well, we'll still play at home and you can play when you get together with your friends outside of school. So a couple of days goes by and we're talking and I, the topic came up again and he said, well, can't have Pokemon cards at school. The kids were distracting each other. They weren't doing their work. They were talking about Pokemon cards instead of doing their schoolwork. And so then I saw him just pause for a minute and he was silent. And he said, you know, Dad, it's too bad that the school didn't give you Pokemon cards after you did your work. And I said, yeah? And he said, yeah. The school, if since the kids, they, they aren't going to focus on their work. They just want to talk about Pokemon cards. The school should just say, okay, well, if you do your work, we'll give you Pokemon cards. And then they could give it to them after school. And then they could take them home. And I thought to myself, Wow. That is a kid who is just in a very plain way seeing a problem. It's deeper than that. There's a the problem. He's, he's able to look at some, some rules, right? We, we've instilled in him that school is about work. He needs to do his work. He knows there's some value there. So the objective is getting the kids to do the work. And then he's smart enough to realize that what would motivate them is the thing they're really interested in. 
So his suggestion is, what if we motivated the kids to do something that's good for them by rewarding them with something that they want? And I thought to myself, now, I'm not going to burst his bubble because I think that's genius. It's genius in the most simple way in that it's not convoluted. It's, it's actually a really good solution. He would willingly and gladly, he would enthusiastically approach his work. And he's, he really actually likes the schoolwork they do and stuff. But he recognizes that students would enthusiastically approach the work and focus on work if they knew that there was a payout of something they really enjoyed right now at the end. He recognizes that he and other people can be motivated to do things they maybe don't want to do the most by getting a reward. Now, what does the school think about this? Well, his school, I notice, is kind of very anti-screen, anti-video game, anti-these things, right? And I've sort of pressed the school on this a bit, and I've shared my opinion of of what I think of screens and stuff, and they really want you to limit screen time. And I've sort of pushed back and I've said, you know, I I think we need to be careful about pushing the narrative that screens are bad for kids. I think we need to I think we need to specify what type of screen time kids are having. Certainly there's some there's a difference in watching Mr. Rogers, right? Where you're learning about things like empathy, about There's actual elementary school lessons built in, and there's lessons about how to be a better friend and all of these sort of moralistic, uh, valuable virtue types of things. There's certainly a difference between that and Captain Underpants, right? It's pointed out in the Mr. Rogers movie. He talks about that. There's a difference between entertainment and educating, and you can educate and entertain kids, so why wouldn't you teach them good lessons if you have their attention? Isn't that the way to change the world, right? I started thinking about this and I started going, well, Oliver, there, see, the school has like an idealistic approach. And we all do this. See, the school looks at the kids and they go, ugh, you want us to motivate kids by giving them Pokemon cards? Well, isn't that just, isn't that just reinforcing that they shouldn't, that they should be interested in Pokemon cards over reading Pokemon cards over this other thing? And then, of course, but we all know, of course, hang on, I'm going to swear for a minute. I don't normally do this, but I feel strongly about the subject. We all know that if we really thought about it, that that's complete bullshit. What adult is not doing things every day in their life solely for the benefit of the pay of what it will produce and not for the actual enjoyment of the work itself? right the the idealistic stance that we should that kids should have some idealized love of learning for the sake of learning like there's some plutonian uh socratic you know students who love learning for the virtue of the open mind what a bunch of malarkey nobody operates that way we all do work for the money. We all do things for the reward. That's what motivates us. And actually, the value of hard work is a virtue unto itself that wouldn't exist if not for the reward. The value of hard, hard work is not the reward in itself. Hard work, work ethic is a means to achieve the things you want. 
you know, we would say those things when they're moral would be better. We want to feed our family, so we work hard. No one would put that person down for saying, but you don't love the act of learning or you don't love the act of your job. You don't love it for a, for a virtue, for whatever virtue it is unto itself. You love it for what it produces and then what you do with what it produces. So I'm sitting here watching, I'm going, here's a kid who just came up with a solution. Who's vi- so it's, he doesn't have any of that. He hasn't heard anybody vilify iPads or Pokemon or television or something, right? He hasn't heard anyone go, well, the problem is kids are watching too much TV. Now, the problem is kids aren't motivated maybe to do the things you want them to do. Maybe if they were motivated, they would be like, they would learn a work ethic and they'd learn, well, if I want that, I have to do this. And then... In the process of teaching them, we could teach them to value virtue, to value morals, and they would work towards things that are morally good, and they would have the work ethic to do the work that is morally ambiguous to achieve the thing that is morally good. Uh, Vis-a-vis, I have to dig dishes to make money so that I can have money to feed my family, to give to the poor, to... You see what I'm saying? Nobody loves digging ditches. Nobody should love the moral the, the, the there's really no value in hard work into unto itself you could work very hard and waste all your time you could you could work uh extremely hard at something that produces no value to anyone anyone anywhere you could work so hard to uh create the world's no that would even have value that is the world's best or world's largest you could just do something seemingly foolish now, maybe you would get some enjoyment out of it, but what if you didn't? And what if no one else did? Then the only value left would be the working hard. And my point is that's no value at all. So fast forward a couple of days, I'm telling my wife, I'm going, you know, he really is seeing things through a very simple lens. And I'm encouraged that I see this sort of decision making, this problem solving, and just the way he's translating the world, which is here's people motivated by something as simple as Pokemon cards. Here's a system that wants them to learn and do something good for themselves. That system should utilize that reward because that reward is not really harmful. Now, maybe if the reward were drugs or something, it would be harmful. But in this case, it's Pokemon cards. And, and eventually it won't be Pokemon cards. It'll be something else. But that's what we do in our house. We tell our kids, if you are a good listener or if you do quiet time and read for for an hour or two hours, then you will earn your hour of video games. And so then they enthusiastically run upstairs to do their quiet time. Shh. I hear this all the time. Ollie, what, how much time is left? Shh. Leo, go back or we'll lose video games. It's still quiet time. It's... It's not, he enjoys reading, but he's not going to right now choose reading over that video game. And that's okay. I don't think he, I'm not, I shouldn't judge him for wanting to play Mario or Pokemon cards more than reading. But I want him to learn to read. I want him to learn to to enjoy. I I want him to have a love of reading. But I don't do that by Pretend by taking away Mario so that reading is his only choice. Or Mario will become so taboo. Pokemon cards will become t- so taboo. It will only increase their value in, in his eyes. It will become just even more addicting, right? So 
what to do. Okay, fast forward, right? And I've told you that I think this school has a little bit of an anti-screen stance. And they send home this read-a-thon thing, this read-a-thon thing. Now, I've just explained to you all the logic about motivation and everything as I see it and how I think the school is getting it wrong. I think they should actually pass out Pokemon cards at the end of the day to all the kids who are good listeners. I think they should pass out something like that, some sort of a Montessori buck where the kids could buy Switch games. They could buy these other things just by achieving these simple things. My kids do chores in exchange for money. They have to buy their own Switch games. I tell them, you guys, Luigi's Mansion 2 is coming out on Halloween. Guys, we've got six weeks to get 60 bucks together. That's $10 a week. What do you got? You got 19 bucks? You need 40 bucks in six weeks. How are we going to earn eight eight bucks a week or so? How are we going to do that? Well, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's less than that. How are we going to learn? Uh, how are we going to earn... Uh, uh, six dollars a week, uh, seven, six fifty, something like that. How are we going to earn six fifty a week for six weeks in order to get this forty or so dollars, right? So we talk about it. We do that. Well, you better do your choice. If you make your bed every day, well, making his bed isn't one of the things he doesn't get paid for. If you, if you vacuum after dinner, if you vacuum uh, and and sweep, if you sweep and swiffer the floors. They'll get 50 cents or a quarter, depending on what they do. If they wipe down the counters, if they do all that, they'll get 50 cents or 25 cents. So how are you going to earn this money every day? You know, if you help dad with weeds, you can earn, I think I think I pay him like $4 for that. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? So fast forward. They send home this read-a-thon thing. And they go, the kids are doing a read-a-thon and the kids are supposed to the kids are supposed to read and have someone say i'll give you a dollar for every book you read and i go huh well that that kind of seems like rewarding kids for doing the right thing what's the difference if the kid i mean the kids they don't really have a, a lot of value in money they really like the pokemon cards more I guess I could trade the money for Pokemon cards. So what's really what's really the difference here, right? Eh, whatever. What's really the difference? I'm not sure. Nothing. And then I go, wait a minute. The money doesn't even go to the kids. It goes to the school. So it's like a fun rate. So it's like we almost got to the let's motivate the kids to do the right thing by rewarding them with something that they that would be motivating to them. But no, 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 no. We'll do it so long as the school gets the money which seems silly. Then I'm sitting there and they send home this, uh, this um, it's book fair. And so Oliver's picking all these books he wants. This book, this book, this book, this book. Then we total it up and I got to send him to school with like 35 bucks because he wants this book that's $5, this book that's $6, this book, this book, this book. And I hear my wife go, you know, Ollie, let's not buy this these books. I know you want all all of these books, but our friend Emma across the street has them all. She read them last year, and she'll let you borrow all of them. And at that moment, I looked at my two sons and my wife huddling at the table over this printed sheet of paper with a price list filling it out. And I thought to myself, what are we doing? All of those books could be on an iPad. 
I wouldn't have to even think, does someone, do, are we going to read this book once or, or Emma across the street has all these books. I could just subscribe to the Netflix of kids books on the iPad and I could scroll through and have access to every book on this page. We have solved this problem already, but this anti-screen stance that comes from just this sort of perverse thing where we want, no, we want kids to reject screens and love books. Like, but, but you don't reject like cookies and love exercise. Like what? You know what I'm saying? You don't reject, like, like you, you don't cancel Netflix so that you can read, uh, you know, I don't know. What's a great work of literature? Leviathan by John Locke. You don't like, you don't, you don't not listen to the new Taylor Swift or the new this or that, and then go listen to Tchaikovsky's fifth. You don't do that. You don't do that because you are, because that's not where your interests are. So why do why do we take the idealistic stance towards kids that they should that we shouldn't reward them with the things they're into like we reward ourselves? We should we should just they should have this this sort of Greek you know love of this like philosopher love of learning and reading and we should we should be luddites neo luddites that re- reject screens so the kids will embrace books books will transform you anywhere they can bring you around the world if you have the if you ha- if you have a love of reading you have a you you can travel anywhere in the world go anywhere any time period you know what else could do that 3d freaking goggles have you ever put on an oculus it's freaking awesome it's amazing dare i say it's hella better than reading a book I digress. At the end of the day, uh, my point here is we have all these convoluted ideas that we've constructed in our head about learning and what's good and bad. Video games are bad. Screens are bad. TV's bad. That rots people's minds, rots people's... Reading is good. Reading makes you smart. Reading is is great, right? But we don't, we don't take time to think about the subject matter or even the consistency of these things. It's somehow okay to send home a, a piece of paper that says, buy these books. Well, why is that good? Well, we want kids to read, so we want them to buy books. So then we can buy six books for $35, except for $35 could also get me, uh, conceivably, very easily, uh, 90 days access to all the books in existence. How is that not a better solution? Because it's on a screen. Because the medium has been vilified. Because we're not consistent in our thinking. If reading is really good, we should put it where kids already are, which is in front of a screen. Maybe there could be a reading app that could integrate with YouTube, and YouTube could be not opened, and you can actually watch kids stream Minecraft and Fortnite. And for every, every page you read of a book, you earn 10 second watch time so that you read that book, you read a page 
And it, it's literally buying you 15 minutes, 20 minutes. You could literally explain, show kids that the more you read, the more entertainment later you get. And that, by exposing the reading, might even birth a larger love of reading that would supersede the sort of uh, punishment style, no video games, no this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my son is able to put together this thing that goes, hey, dad. The school should give the kids Pokemon cards. If, if the kids are distracted from their work by the Pokemon cards, that means they really like the Pokemon cards. The school should say, hey, kids, focus on your work and we'll give you Pokemon cards later. And the kids will go, oh, my gosh, I want Pokemon cards. Heck, yeah, I want to go focus on my work. I mean, we get people to do the most terrible jobs for money. Do you know there's like guy people who like clean out like the sewers? There's no value in that to them. They do not want to do that work. They're not even altruistic about it in the sense of like, oh, I got an idea. Um, I, I just believe so much in sanitation and what it does to communities and just liberates them from disease that I just want to do this volunteer cleaning of sewer. No, you put on a suit, you get super dirty, it's disgusting, and you just do a, you, you make money. That's the motivator. So here's my question. Why, why can't we? Look, look, I pay the tuition for them to go there. So the school's not idealistic about, we just want to provide this free Montessori education for all these kids. I mean, they are. They are, but they recognize that there has to be money involved. Does that create an economic barrier? Yes. Does asking kids to pay $35 for five books that they'll read and then they won't want to read again create an economic barrier? Yes. Could that barrier be taken down by actually just selling subscription service style access to that material? Yeah, I think so, actually. I think the margin, I think the utility value of having access to a book and reading it and then not reading it again is is a better and a, a, having access to a large library of books reading them and then not reading them has more utility value than what I have at home which is a large bookshelf of kids books most of which that have been read two and three times most of which they won't pick up again because they've already read them several times and so they just want new books, new books, new books. We can only read them two or three times before they kind of get bored. But what if you had access to a library of thousands of books? How much, how much more likely are you right now to, uh, how, much li- how much more likely are you right now to go just pull up some record that someone says, you should listen to this artist, they're really good, when you have Spotify Premium or Apple Music? Why? Because it's seemingly free. You've already paid for the access. Now you're just accessing different something someone suggested to you. But with this dumb book fair thing, I'm supposed to buy books and then get my friends to give them money when they read them, but that money goes to the school and we can't figure out the kids just want Pokemon cards? I'm HW. Thanks for listening. (laughs) HW, out.